We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Pepsi and Indeed. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. Hey, how's it going, man? I heard you uh, heard you uh, had a little walk-off on your Madden game. Yeah, so, you know, I'm in this Madden league and... Well, first of all, let me talk about Madden because I know everybody gives the game a hard time. I, I don't, I don't know why other people play Madden, but since like 2014, I've been in an online league with me, a bunch of my buddies. We always have 32 users full uh, with the league, like always 32 users. So it, it's extremely competitive. So I have an amazing time playing Madden. I know everybody talks about like the issues with it and whatever. I, I don't know, but we have a great time. But anyways, it, uh, we. It was a week two now, and I'm actually the San Diego Chargers. And, 
Yeah, I had a big game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And for whatever reason, the Eagles user traded the the Chiefs. Marquise Goodwin. Now, I don't know what he gave up. I think some draft picks or whatever. But I don't know if you can imagine trying to defend Marquise Goodwin, Tyreek Hill, and Miko Hartman on the field at the same time. So it, it was extremely difficult. But um, I managed to pull off a win in overtime. Uh, Walk-off, run, uh, touchdown run, 75 yards with uh, – First play of overtime with uh, uh, Eckler, the running back from the Chargers. So I'm 2-0. I survived. That's going to be a tough matchup, though, like <laughs> playing against them damn uh, Chiefs. Uh, who'd you play in week one? I played the Bengals. They have yeah, Joe I, Burrow as their quarterback? Yeah, Burrow is their quarterback. Yeah, I killed him, though. They do a good job, like, keeping up the rosters? Yeah, I mean, it's it's up to date. To whatever, cool. like, for the start of week one in the NFL season, whatever that looked like, that that's what it was on the game. And then that's when we start. We, we like, specifically start right when the new rosters come out. Nice. I haven't I haven't played Madden in a long time. The last time I played Madden, I all I did was create my own character that I felt like represented me if I, like, kept it football and somehow <laughs> made it to the NFL. Like, it was a, it was a white dude with – a decent amount of muscle, but he wasn't very fast, and his like his route running and hands were good. So did you have like a like uh, an eight pack? Did you gotta post that picture you sent to me? Like you gotta make that like your your Twitter, your Twitter. Uh, uh, dude, that was dude. That's way too long ago to yeah. to take any credit for nowadays. No, they won't know. It'd be like it'll be our secret. Like. Catfishing everybody, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Catfishing everybody with old pictures of myself. Hey, but um, one thing I will say, you know, obviously I play a lot of Madden, but I do love playing video games. I'm just way too busy right now to get into like other games. But once like my life just kind of settles down, I finish school and I'm doing all this other stuff. I do want to get into other games. Like I want to become not like a super gamer, but I would like to get back into Call of Duty like I was when I was in college. Like I want to get back. I want to play Warzone. Like you play like Fortnite with my kids. Like they look like they have a great time. So I do actually like want to set up my own like gaming room and everything, have it all cool, decked out. And become more of a gamer than I am right now, because right now I'm it's strictly mad, and, and even then I squeeze that in between a podcast with Miss uh, uh, Kiana Martin, and uh, and then I played my game. I had to squeeze that in real quick, and then obviously uh, you know hop on the podcast here. So it's like I just don't have a whole 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 lot of time for it. How'd the uh, how'd the pod with Kiana go? I love Kiana. She's awesome. Yeah, she was great, man. Like it, it was cool. I messed up one time where like. In the middle of talking, I just completely forgot what the question was. <laughs> I was like, uh, I forgot the question, but uh, <laughs> but uh, outside of that, it was cool. She was, she was you know, cool. I've always the host when it when it comes to like us on this pod, like I've always like as long as it's not some like crazy mistake, like I really don't like editing things out or like asking things to be edited out. To me, like unless like like I said, unless it's just some egregious error that has to be changed or some crazy sound goes off or something like that. Like, you know, like I, I love the fact that like that I don't edit stuff out. You know what I mean? Like you, if I make a mistake or I stumble on my words or whatever, like I, I don't care. You it know what I mean? Right. Like this is, I don't want, you know, I want our, our podcast to sound like a legit conversation between two people and, and not like some, like, I don't know, edited infomercial, you know? like Right. So, Anyways, but 
Yeah, dude, you was. I should send you a picture. Have I ever sent you a picture of my little gaming setup that I got in my my little office? It's I, uh. I, I want to say I saw like I don't think you sent me like a picture like full out of your like whole setup. I, I think I saw like one picture of like a couple of monitors. I think I think I saw. Yeah, something. I have I have two monitors. I'm I thinking about trying to get a third one. Well, and because I stream every now and then, so I got like a little mic thing that's attached to my desk. I got a little light. You know, I got my Xbox and my PC all like it's it it took a long time to set up, but it's cool. Once you get it all set up, man, it's not like you you sit behind it and you feel like you're like sitting down into your command center, you know, and it's time to lock in. So it's it's uh it's cool. It it it's I mean, I'm a big fat dork, but I mean that it doesn't bother me anymore, man. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend uh girlfriend loves it, so if she loves it, then we're all good. Good to go. Um Anyways, uh, back in 49ers land, um, a lot of random stuff happened today. One one thing a little more important than the other. Um, the biggest the biggest thing that happened today is the 49ers announced that Richard Sherman was being placed on injured reserve, which is a big deal. Um, obviously, he's their he's their premier starting corner opposite Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan did say that it was just a calf strain, and and the one thing I will preface all this with saying is. You can tell a lot of fans and their reactions still haven't really gotten used to the new injured reserve. And it's very, very simple. In the past, you can only put two players on injured reserve, and they had to miss six weeks of practice and eight weeks of games. So essentially half the season. Now, the, 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 two, the new injured reserve is nothing like the old one. You can put an unlimited number of players on it. Those players that go on injured reserve can only be or only have to miss three weeks of practice, and then they can come back, and you can bring back and put on as many people as you want. So, the new, by all accounts, the new injured reserve is way better than the old one, and it just kind of helps players, you know, I guess you know, stay healthy or be able to take the time off they need, and, and it not impact the roster. More players will get opportunities, you know, to get promoted from the practice squad or added to the roster or what have you. So, but so. You know, immediately when the 49ers announced that Richard Sherman was going on injured reserve, you can tell there was this just wave of reaction as if it were kind of like the old injured reserve, which by all accounts and what Shanahan said, Richard Sherman's only supposed to miss like three weeks with a cast strain. He just needs some time off, which that's not that it's not a huge deal, but it's not as big of a deal as a lot. Of, you can tell a lot of people thought it was. They also added Brian Allen. Christian Angulo and Tim Harris. Well, they added them to the practice squad and Tim Harris Jr. Who was already on the practice squad. He's now on injured reserve too. And I, I believe Kyle Shanahan said he also had a, a calf strain. So added a couple guys to the practice squad, Richard Sherman on IR, Tim or uh, Tim Harris on the practice squad IR. And then they actually promoted Dante Johnson, who seems like he's been with the 49ers forever or, or at least has been with them a lot because he spent some time on other teams. Um, he's now on the active roster. So, um, Oh, and then there's another one. They also added Ken Webster from the Miami Dol- Dolphins practice squad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What position is he? They're all corners. All these okay. names that I've said are all corners. Okay. So it's, it's just been wild. Okay, they promoted Dante Johnson to the active roster from the team's practice squad and signed cornerback Ken Webster from the Miami Dolphins practice squad to a one-year deal. So I'm assuming that for Ken Webster is now on the 49ers active roster because usually when you pull somebody off the practice squad, it has to be to put them on your active roster. So all kinds of moves, like, you know, that's that's like five names right there. So 
the only, the, the main thing is that you need to pull from that is John uh, Dante Johnson got promoted. Ken Webster got added to the 53 and Richard Sherman got placed on IR. So those are the, those are the main moves, but um, so Crocker, tell me, I mean, cause I know you were posting a lot about this on Twitter. I mean, what's your, what's your outlook on, on Akella Witherspoon and him stepping in there. Also considering we get to add this to the mix right now, he's in concussion protocol. So maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't, but I don't know, man, just, just speak on it. So initially, like, you know, the first thing I saw was the Richard Sherman news. And I was just like, okay. But I think the way I view a killer with a spoon is a lot different than probably anyone else, like, in the world. <laughs> and I just look at him as, like, you know, I'm fine with him starting. Like, I, I don't think a killer with a spoon sucks. I think he has a lot of bad luck at inopportune times. But... I don't think he's like a terrible defensive back that just can't cover anybody. Like like the way that I view like Dante Johnson. Like I've always looked at Dante Johnson like oh, he's just not good, really. You know, um, with this point, I'm just like ah, like it frustrates me because the ability that he has, and then it's just always like ah, oh, you're right there, but then ah, like you didn't get your hand up in time. You know, stuff like that. Or, oh, you're right there. Oh, you tripped over your feet. Like how? Um, but I never looked at him as someone that just can't challenge. Uh, receivers. So when I saw when I saw the you know initially saw the Sherman news, first thing I was like, well, I, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with Witherspoon uh, playing. Especially, I mean, you know, you look and the first thing I said was, well, we play the Jets. Who do the Jets have? Like, who's gonna threaten a killer Witherspoon? I don't think they have anybody that can really mess with him like that. Like Witherspoon, he'll get beat by Mike Thomas. He'll get beat by Stephon Diggs. Like, I, I don't I don't know if like Rashad Perryman. Is gonna just beat Witherspoon. He'll he'll get beat by Julio Jones like he did last year. But typically, like regular receivers, they don't really play well against <laughs> Witherspoon. So I, I think I was just a little bit more encouraged by like who the 49ers play over the next couple of weeks. Uh definitely an opportunity for him to kind of get his feet wet, get in there, get his confidence up, and you know, play as long as you know Sherman's out or whatever. Now, well, I wasn't expecting was to hear that he's in concussion protocol. So then I'm like, okay, I don't know how to view, like how to really think about concussion protocol because it is something that can just be like, you're in it and then uh, next thing you know, he's he's good to go. And then like you've seen some like other, like more serious concussions where guys are out like months, right? Like, I mean, isn't that something that like held out Jordan Reed for a long time, right? Right. I want to say it was uh, like concussions and stuff like that. So you kind of never know how somebody's going to react to it. And me uh, being in the NFL, I actually, at least with the Jets, there there was a test we we took. I don't know. Has anybody ever told you about like kind of how like that whole thing kind of goes? No, nobody ever has. <laughs> okay. So we took this test and it's like this. I don't want to say it's like an IQ test, but it's about like, all kind of shapes, all kind of things. It asks you all kind of questions. And then they're basically telling you, like, you have to remember, like, okay, what shapes and things did you did you just see? And so you have to, like, did you see this one? You have to put, like, yes or no, yes or no. So whatever you, quote, unquote, score on that or however, however it is that you score, if you get a concussion, you have to score very similar to what you did when you were all there. And if you don't, 
you can't come out of concussion protocol. At least that's how it was with the Jets. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like they're comparing they're they're comparing how you did on that test when you were in a normal state of mind versus after you've had a concussion. And if the results are, I'm assuming beyond a certain threshold of difference, then they're like, wait, he's not better. We got to hold off, you know, Correct. type of deal. Now I okay. don't know if like you know other NFL teams do the same thing, and you know, but that 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 something like that can be a little tricky. Now, typically, concussions don't really hold guys out long. I mean, guys get concussions and play right away. I'd say maybe like ten percent of the time it holds somebody out of the next game. So uh, I'm I wasn't overly like uh, you know like damn like oh, I don't think he's gonna be able to play. I, I'm confident he would be able to play now. You know, will he play well? And and you know, will he uh, have his confidence up? You know, I, I think so. I think he's going to come out. He's going to be fired up, and he's going to you know take advantage of the opportunity. But I also thought the same thing of about guys like Dante Pettis and you know Trent Taylor and those guys. And I thought they just laid an egg. So you know, I, I, I'll take the you know we'll see approach. But you know, obviously, I you know I think I think uh, Philip Witherspoon definitely will, will will play well. Interesting. Well, I mean, and and, and, I, and I agree. I, I think that he'll obviously see this as a, a massive opportunity to show that he can still do this. But like you said, with, with the other guys, you know, if if you're not in the right mindset or your, your skill set hasn't been up to par and you haven't been working up your game, then all the opportunity does is remind the remind the coaching staff and everybody else watching that that you're not really you're not really it. So, you know, you can really only take advantage of an opportunity if you're ready. You know, so we'll see. Um, hopefully he comes off the concussion protocol and can step in there. If not, it would. Pro- I'm assuming it would probably be Dante Johnson. He's with this, been with this team a lot and for a long time, and that that's not going to make anybody feel good, but it is what it is. Um, so that was the bulk of today's news. Uh, I'm trying to think through the press conferences. We are supposed to see uh, – Kyle Shanahan does expect to see Brandon Ayuk uh, playing this Sunday. Uh, which would be cool. I mean, you know, you got to temper your expectations. He's still a rookie, rookie receiver. I almost said rookie receiver. That would have been that would have been so funny, guys. Um, but it's it's just a matter of you know, it, it, the more he, time he spends out there, the the quicker he's going to develop. And you know, obviously, we just kind of want to see what he does and, and make plays. And uh, I know that uh, Matt Mayoko, who's been with the 49ers forever, said. Uh, he, uh, Ayuk was one of the most impressive rookie receivers, if not the most impressive rookie receiver he's ever seen. So, and, that, and a lot of decent receivers have come through here um, while he's been here. So, that's interesting. Um, but anyways, I'm excited to see him for sure. Um, and, me you know, too, man. Me too. I am more confident with knowing, you know, it's him and Sanu. So it's not like just all the pressure on Ayuk to come in and just right away, like, okay, you got to carry. You know, uh, Taylor and Bettis and Bourne, and you you got to be the guy now. Now, I think I think Sanu is going to take a little bit of pressure off the rookie. And now, he can just do his thing. So, whether he gets three catches, four catches, five catches, whatever, it's, it's you know, he, it's not like something that's forced. Right, right. So, I don't want to spend – I mean, again, we could we could probably just – given the way me and Croc do, do things, we could probably spend this whole podcast just start talking about the things that, that happened, you know, that Kyle Shanahan talked about today. But today is our mailbag episode, um, and we are planning on, as long as you guys keep throwing questions our way, which you guys did a great job of this week, um, we're planning on having a mailbag episode every week. And this is our first week doing it for, you know, obviously after the uh, the first game of the season. 
So we're going to hop right into these questions. We'll get through a few of them, and then we'll have to get a quick word in from our sponsors, and then we'll hit the rest of them. Um, and, and then just to kind of give you a heads up, Crocker and I have not like gone through these questions. We haven't like said, okay, we're not going to do this one. We're not going to do that one. We, this is, this is live and this is, this is authentic striking gold right here. So we're going to go through your questions. I'll start from what I think were the first ones asked and we'll just roll through them. Um, we'll both kind of offer our thoughts. I wouldn't necessarily say we need to do it rapid fire, but you know, we got, I think we have like 20 something. So you know, we'll, we'll try to make sure we get through them all. The first one is from a good friend of the podcast and somebody who Crocker and I have both spoken to fairly frequent, frequently. That's Brian Peacock from the, uh, the Locked On 49ers podcast. And <laughs> this is a great one to start off with, too. Uh, he wants to know if, if you can suit up this week in Crocker. And uh, judging by your Instagram, he thinks you're ready. So, you know, the 49ers are obviously a little thin at cornerback, so he was wondering if you'd be able to step in there. Yeah, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Um, my change of direction is, like, probably terrible. Uh, my long speed, terrible. They'd have to put me in cover two and just keep me in cover two. Now, in cover two, I could play cover two all day. But uh, if they call any kind of man, if they call any kind of maybe even cover three, ah, man, I don't know, but. Yeah, well, if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it, and I have definitely lost my speed. <laughs> now, against like regular people, yeah, I can run. But let's go. Hey, we just talked about this. I'll, <laughs> I'll get out there and okay, I can pretend to give you some work, but yeah. you know, you'll be able to handle this art teacher, no problem. But yeah, regular you know. people I can run, but you, you, I mean, I don't think people understand like the level of like just athleticism by these like NFL guys, even like the least as athletic you know receiver on the roster man he's he's still really really nice compared to you know your 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 average joe that goes back to the 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 funny argument of like can alabama beat the browns you know what i mean like those things <laughs> yeah. like dude, those are those are all that's kind of like a little bit of a comparison like you know, like I always love that conversation. I remember I had to talk to, I had to talk about that to my girlfriend because she kind of just didn't understand it. I was like, babe, you got to look at it this way. Like the worst player on the Browns right now would probably be one of the absolute best players in Alabama. Like if he went down and played with them, you know, right. like that's how elite every player in the NFL is. Now, obviously every player doesn't make it because, you know, it's a, it's a, the most competitive, one of the most competitive organizations on the planet, but I mean, people just commonly, they just don't realize, you know, I've had the, the, the fortune of watching NFL practices from sidelines and stuff. And there are so many times where you're just like, man, these dudes are freaks, you know, like it's, yeah. it's just not, it's not normal. So anyways, so even me, I mean, a guy that was in great shape and playing football and I got to the NFL and even I was like, damn, these guys are freaks, <laughs> you know, and I'm talking about, I mean, I was a six one you know, 200 pound corner with 8% body fat. And I'm looking at these guys like, Hey, these guys are the freaks, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's, and it, it is, it's like that. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like me, like I play call of duty like a few times a week and I'm pretty good. 
but all you got to do is watch a pro player play and you're like, holy crap, these guys would stunt all over me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like that. Like, take something that you have experience in and then think of the absolute best in that field. And, and that's kind of where we're at. So, And one more thing on that, too. Like, these, a lot of these guys, like, that's in the NFL and stuff, uh, they could, they probably could have went pro in another sport. Like, they, you know, guys are kind of like that gifted if they put their mind to it. Like, you know, what's to say, like, a guy like a killer with his I bet if Witherspoon like put as much focus into another another sport as he did football, he probably could have went pro in that sport. He's that type of athlete. A lot of guys around the league, they are. Right, right, and it, it's just you have to. And the biggest thing with me is you just have to understand how much time they've put in. They put into their craft. And, and you have to respect where they've gotten, you know, like you can't just assume that there's some magic solution to where they've gotten that the only, the only path is just incredibly hard work. So you gotta, you just gotta kind of respect that. Like, like I couldn't go out and run, run routes on Richard Sherman and get lucky. Like that just wouldn't happen. Like he, he's, he spent his whole life becoming an elite football player. The, you know, it's just, it's just not like that. Anyways, most of you guys know that you don't need to tell us this, but anyways, next question. Niner state says, would you call up Kevin white to replace Dante Pettis? Croc, what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, if, if Dante Pettis is going to go out there and run around and have no catches, I mean, I, I probably would rather see what white has not saying that he's just going to go out there and be better, but it's like, what, what am I really losing? Uh, you know, if I, if I, you know, want to see what white has, so I, I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah, no. I, and I think that, I think that Kyle Shanahan kind of sees this as, as Pettis's last kind of hurrah, as far as uh, proving himself and what he might be able to contribute. I don't think he'd be ready to just throw Kevin white in there in place of him right now. I feel like, as far as like putting Pettis on notice, I feel like that's already been done. He knows all of that. So there's no more like checks for him. It's either you're going to give him all the chance you want to give him and then he's done. You know, like if you if you pull him back out now, the only way he's going back out on the field is if somebody gets hurt. So, you know, a decision to, to throw Kevin White out there in place of Dante Pettis, you just got to know that when they do that, it's probably over for Dante Pettis, like permanently. So, you know, that wouldn't be a decision that Shanahan takes lightly. But I mean, like you, like you said, Croc, I mean, you got to, when you get to a point where there's nothing else to lose, then it is what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. So we got a few questions from Tagum and Bagum. I like that name. That's a good gamer tag, too. Okay. Um, there's three of them. Was the O line actually that bad? Why was Kittle's blocking so bad? And what are realistic cornerback options here? Um, so the, f- I mean, I'm not an O-line guy. I'll start with the top. I'm not an O-line guy. I mean, the, as far as uh, I did see a tweet where it said that, you know, quarterback hits allowed in week one and the 49ers were not even middle of the pack, maybe like upper third to like somewhere in the middle. So, I mean, the 49ers offensive line wasn't really – I mean, in, in comparison to the rest of the league, it wasn't bad. So, I mean, I don't know. It was, it, And obviously, they've got some replacements in there. They're trying to work through the injuries at center. Um, you're talking about a new right guard. It's it's They're just – they're working through it. I don't think um, – actually, and when as far as Kittle's blocking, 
Shanahan was asked about that today, like that they missed a couple blocks and Shanahan kind of was like seen surprised. He's like, well, I thought, I thought he did great. And of course, you know, maybe he, he missed a couple blocks and maybe those are the, the blocks that everybody's seen, but he said, you know, every, everybody misses plays here and now here and then, but you got to understand too, that Kittle is always going to be blocking at an elite level. So they're going to ask him to block elite athletes. So most tight ends will get their ass handed to them by a defensive end, and it's considered suicide to do that. Kittle is not. You know, they they feel fine putting him on a defensive end. So there will be times when Kittle's beat. These defensive ends are trained to beat offensive tackles. So there will be times when Kittle can't hold up. But you got to understand that Kittle's already operating at an elite level as far as blocking goes. So he's being handed tough assignments sometimes, and they're not always going to go great. Uh, that's you know that that's my way of looking at it. Um, and yeah, I was also going to say that he was bad um, in blocking, but I, I just I, I I I haven't watched the game back. I watched it that one time as a fan, and I haven't went back and watched it since. So I don't. Right. Yeah. And I, and I haven't either, you know, I'm just going, I pay a lot of attention to the game when I'm watching it, but I haven't, you know, there's, there's no way that, that I can find the time to go through and break down all 22 and it, from the sound of it, the all 22 hasn't been available anyway. So <laughs> I mean, um, so uh, he also, his third question is what are realistic quarterback options here? I mean, we kind of already talked about that. I don't think the 49ers are going to um, look at options elsewhere. The uh, Richard Sherman's only only supposed to be out three weeks, and it sounded like from the way Shanahan talked about it that he could probably be better in less than three weeks. That's just the IR minimum, so that's the time they'll give him to rest. So I don't necessarily think they need to look at cornerback options. It just depends on if Witherspoon recovers from his concussion, whether he or, or Dante Johnson start opposite Emmanuel Mosley. Um, that guy said his first question, why? <laughs> I don't know what he's referring Well, he, he, he just wrote why with a question mark and then a crying face. I don't know. Maybe something to do um, with the fact that they lost. I don't know. Sorry, that guy. But I, I'm here for you, man. If you got, if you're ever struggling, just, just send me, hit me up on Twitter, bro. I'll, I'll talk to you. I don't, but I just don't know why you're <laughs> crying. Um, Daniel Carrera. And this one, I do you know. He said thoughts on cornerback Brian Allen. Do you know anything about Brian Allen there, Croc? Not at all. I read something that just said that he was like never took snaps as like an actual cornerback. Most of his snaps came from special teams in games. And it's I know he's a big like, dude. It sounded like he didn't play last year. So yeah, but I you know I can I can tell you. Yeah, he's I mean he's a big dude. He's a former Steeler, 6'3, 207. You know, I mean, they're not expecting you know, he's on the practice squad. So it's what I will say is when you are that big though, typically those guys don't move very well. So no, I, I'm right. When when guys are big like that, and then if they're not like just good right away, they're typically not guys that just like keep improving. Like if he's six three two oh seven and was intriguing to people, and hasn't been someone that was like kind of I want to say highly sought after, but yeah, that kind of says he probably can't move very well. That's just my like kind of gut feeling on that but you know obviously you know we'll, we'll see. the thing with know. big corners to me it's like if they're good then they're really good but if but the it seems like the odds of them being really good when they're that big are way less does that make sense yep correct yeah like you know you're trying to you're trying to bet on traits and if it pans out like how many richard shermans do you know you know what i mean and it's not necessarily 
his size that makes him, that's a huge part of it, but his intelligence is like through the roof. And, but it's just, there are some big cornerbacks that work out, but it's rare, you know, same, same thing with huge receivers. Like they're usually right around like six foot, six, one, maybe less than six foot or, you know, and it's kind of, I mean, I guess that has to do with average human size, but you get what I mean. Right. Uh, cornerback, the cornerback position has so much to do with just twitch movements and instant change of direction that it's, when you're a big dude, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Um, okay. Mike N says, plain and simple. Is it time to panic? I don't think so. Are you panicking there, uh, Crocker? No, nah, well, I mean, my initial re- reaction to week one was it reminded me a lot of week one last year where I didn't think the 49ers played well. I didn't think Jimmy G was sharp. I didn't think it was very similar. The only difference was James Winston can't run like Kyler Murray can to make plays outside the, you know, framework of, of the play call. So, you know, that was probably like the biggest difference. But other than that, the game kind of looked a lot similar. It was like kind of weird, clunky. Uh, quarterback wasn't very sharp. So, nah, I mean, the I think the most worrisome part of it is was, you know, the receiver play, but then it's like, well, help is on the way. You got IU coming back, Sanu and stuff like that. So that should help. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not worried. It just sucks when you don't play well like that. And I kind of expected us to not play just well yet. And, but then you take an L in a game where it's like, ah, we really should have won, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It was, it was just one of those games and 49ers had games like that last year, you know, sure. They might not have been in the very beginning of the season, but, this the beginning of this season was different than any other season, you know, in in pro sports ever. So, you know, there was it was just weird, and and I think the 49ers are going to find their groove and 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 show off what they can do. Uh, so no, I don't think it's time to panic. No, uh, Mario Martinez. Hey, losing the Jets, time to panic. <laughs> right, you got the Jets and the Giants. That's a good. That's a, if they don't win, if they don't have solid wins against both teams, then we might we might be having different conversations. Yeah. Did you guys notice the lack of motivation? And play action for the offense. Oh wait, no, excuse me, not motivation. The lack of motion and play action for the offense. I I didn't. I mean, but again, neither of us have gone back and watched the game. Um, I don't know. Did you notice either either of those? Nah, I, I saw a lot of people complaining about the game plan in general. There were a lot of people that were like, "Oh, Kyle Shanahan, like it was a terribly terribly uh, called game." But I think a lot of times, like. The issue is, like, when you call a good game, you usually win. Uh, when you don't, you usually lose. But I, I think that's – he probably calls games similar all the time. I, the only game I can think of off the top of my head where I'm just like, God, what the hell was that? Was against the Falcons last year where it was just, like, really weird. Like, there was no anything. And maybe he got in his own head because he knew that the, you know, the coordinator on the other side knew what he liked to do. But – Outside of that, I think, you know, a lot of it's like anything else. When you call a play and it works, you're a genius. When you call a play and it doesn't work, oh my gosh, that was a why would you call it right then and there? You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I ain't think I ain't think anything of like the play calling in the sense of just like oh it was just really bad or not innovative at all. But I, I did see a lot of people complaining about it on Twitter. Right. Okay. Before we uh, before we carry on, we've got to get get a a quick word in from our sponsors here at Blue Wire. Leading the way, we've got Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. 
Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And along with Pepsi, we've got Indeed because even though sports had a break, your business probably didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike any other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search engine that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73% of the online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Okay. We're rolling. Let's jump right back into these questions because we want to make sure we get to them all. Matthew Snyder. Says, do you see us moving on from Richard Sherman after this season? Man, I mean, he's a um, he'll be a free agent, so right. I, I know, mean, and he he is aging, so you know, I, I could see it. I think the thing that gives me a little bit of, I guess, confidence that they will bring him back is he is willing to switch positions. So there, there's definitely value there, but he would likely take a you know drastic uh, pay cut. If, if I just had to imagine. So, you know, we'll see how open he is to that. You know, if you, you're going from corner to, to safety, you know, especially, yeah, it, it's going to be less money. But, uh, yeah, I, I, if I had to, if you just hold a gun to my head and ask me, will he be, be back? I would say no. Uh, I, I feel the same. And I, and I do think there's a very clear path to him coming back. You know, it's, it's just a matter. I think it falls more on Richard Sherman than it does the 49ers. What type of contract is he willing to accept? Um, what type of adjustments is he willing to make? Uh, the 49ers are going to have to be penny pinchers anyways after this season if the salary cap falls a lot like it's expected to. And they're going to have to choose starters right now that they just don't re-sign. They have so many free agents coming up um, that we'll have. We'll talk about, you know, just to name some off the top of my head: uh, Trent Williams, Quisky Tart, uh, Kyle Uschek, Kendrick Bourne. Um, there's some other big ones on there. Uh, Kwan Williams, who is a lot bigger than a lot of people think. Uh, it, it, they have so many free agents they're going to have to bring back next year, and there's a good chance that since. Richard Sherman's, you know, he's on that list. There's a good chance that he could be one of the ones that doesn't come back, just given his kind of status and how, you know, the fact that, like Crocker said, he's aging a little bit. So we'll see. But again, if if I had to guess, I would say I, I do see the 49ers moving on. Um, from Ian, G78, why is everyone so reactive to one loss? On the flip side, is it time to panic if we get beat by the Jets? First question, 
because that's kind of how fans get. And I think they just expected to see something different. And, you know, it was just such a bad game for somebody like Jimmy G and, and, you know, it's just people that they were looking forward to seeing. Uh, I also think they underestimated the Cardinals a little bit. I think the Cardinals are a good football team. So, you don't think the Cardinals are good? No, I mean, they, they, they played them extremely tight last year, twice. Um, they did make some additions to where they should be an improved team. You knew that they played a bunch of teams tight last year. You know, it didn't always, you know, obviously result in like a win, but they were in a lot of close games. They did beat some good teams. And, yeah, I mean, they they were somebody where it's like they, they had a lot of hype going into this year. I mean, that was one of the teams – I saw somebody ask John Middlecoff, like, who's the most overhyped team? He was like, Arizona Cardinals. So, like, they were getting a lot of buzz. I don't think the 49ers just were walking in without their two, you know, guys that they thought were going to start on the outside and just, hey, we're just going to walk in and we're just going to win this game. Uh, I, I, I didn't I didn't see I, – I don't – yeah, I don't think they just overlooked them. No, I mean, I wasn't – I don't – did I say – I didn't say the 49ers overlooked them. I think fans did. Like – I I always assumed that the 49ers were in for a scrap, you know, just because that's how they were last year. And I think the, the Cardinals got a little bit better, you know, and so I just assumed it was going to be close. But I I don't – I think the 49ers and their mistakes are a huge reason it was close. There could have been – you could play that game again and it might not be close because it was just the 49ers had so many opportunities to kind of make that like a two-score game and just they just screwed up. But that that's part of the game. Okay, moving on. Uh, T-Dud. T-Dud at Devonrick49. Devonrick, excuse me. If y'all, two, if y'all two were Kyle and Robert, how would y'all approach week two through week five with the defense without Sherm? And would you expect more nickel than base defense? Croc, you, you act that. So if we were if we were Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala, how would we approach our, our defense without Sherman? And would we, would we be in more nickel when we were like base? Which is already the case, but go for it, dude. Me personally, like I'm, I'm a more aggressive play caller, so I would I would play a little bit more man with a robber and blitz more. That would kind of and especially like looking at the quarterbacks that we're playing. You know, first you have uh, Sam Darnold, and he really doesn't have any weapons. So you know, and his O line, everybody across the board is new. They have a, like a totally revamped offensive line with a rookie out there at left tackle that's going to be lining up, uh, you know, across from Nick Bosa. Oh, I'm, I'm sending everybody like, and I'm playing man behind it. I think I do have guys that can play man for a few seconds while we send the house. All right. And like, let's confuse Sam Darnold. So I'm doing that. Uh, and then, you know, you got Danny Dimes after that. Same thing. Young quarterback, definitely prone to making mistakes. Like I'm doing the same thing. Now they do have a good receiver in Slayton, I think that's his name. Yeah, uh, Darius. Darius Slayton, second year player. He was he was a very underrated rookie, kind of flew under the radar, was really good last year as a rookie. Uh he he can take the top off of defense. So you kind of gotta be a little, little careful and Danny Dimes will air it out. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I'm trying to send the house. I don't know if you watched the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but whew, I mean they were getting after him. Now he did burn Well, the Pittsburgh the Steelers defense looked amazing too. Oh yeah, they're playing fast and physical. I love it. So, yeah, you know, me too. I I'm playing a lot of man. Obviously, I mean, you know, you want to mix in some zone and give some different looks, but I'm I'm playing a lot of man with a, a robber and sending some blitzes, having guys 
uh, dropping the coverage and do some overload blitzes. And yeah, that, that's what I'm, that's what I would do. That's so that's what I was going to say too, is it really, I mean, obviously it's not as simple as this. I'm not saying an all out blitz, but I am uh, trying to apply pressure as often as I can, forcing them to utilize check downs and shorter passes and routes that aren't necessarily going to take routes that just require less coverage. Either they're going to be there or they're not. And, you know, you just have to force them to make quicker decisions than allow them to, you know, place to develop. And, and that's how you're taking advantage of, of the lack of, of a Richard Sherman. But, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. Now, when you say Robert, do you mean like a kind of like a free defender to like the strong side of a defense that could kind of just read what's going on? What's, what's your definition of, of a robber? Yeah. Kind of drop him like in like a little uh, hole area and he can like read crossers. And if somebody gets, right. slipped, okay, you can do some like, um, like man match type stuff to where, you know, your nickel plays outside leverage of the slot. And if he goes outside, then your nickel just takes him. But if he goes inside and he's running across her, your safety picks him up. And now your nickel back is the robber. And he can rob okay. anything that comes from uh, the outside. So that's like my, one of my favorite coverages that I like to kind of draw up because it confuses the, the, the quarterback because it looks like uh like a zone, the way you kind of pass things off. But the way you play, it really is man. But then you guys have you got you got guys robbing. It's really confusing. If you watch the New England Patriots, they did a lot of that in the Super Bowl against the Rams, and we saw how confused Jared Goff was. So yeah, that's that's some of my favorite stuff, man. Some robber stuff. Love it. I love it. Right. Yeah. Because you've got guys. guys man, 49ers played too soft last game. They played too soft. And I know I had uh, my guy Ian Williams, uh, you know, 40, former 49er. You know, he DM me. He was like, you know, they. They wanted to limit the big plays and that, you know, they, they stayed in a lot of cover three, cover four, kept everything in front of them. But I'm like, gosh, like, I, I just can't let keep letting this guy hit us for 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, like 12 yards, 15 yards, like, and not, and we're not challenging them and we're not like, you know, attacking the ball at the catch point. Like, nah, like, get in their face. Let's play some man. Let, let, let's do some robber steps, send some blitzes. Like, let's confuse these guys. Like, let's be a little bit more aggressive, you know, like, and, and I typically, you know, I don't question their game plans and stuff like that. And then 49ers, yeah, 49ers lost. They didn't play bad on defense. You know, outside, like, if you take away that block punt, like, you know, the score looks different. <laughs> I mean, what do you give up, 14 right. points? You know, so it's not like they just got, like, destroyed. But, you know, like, let, let's be a little bit more aggressive, man. Like, let's be more aggressive. That, that's just my opinion. Well, and and I respect that opinion, and I and that's the and that's the kind of that's the outlook I was I was kind of going with too is just you know just if if you if you know you've got vulnerabilities then just go for it and and if if you kind of believe those vulnerabilities would get you you know would create plays for them anyways like that's that's usually why people aren't aggressive because they're kind of real they think they're creating opportunities for the offense well if you're depleted at a position and you feel like those opportunities are are already there essentially, then you might as well be aggressive and see if you can get away with it. And, and you know, maybe you come away with a, a turnover, you know, some forced fumbles or whatever. But um, that's just kind of the way uh, the way I see it, too. Um, do you this is from Ronnie Ochoa. Do you believe a trade at the deadline is likely for a cornerback if Sherman is not back by week five? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think so. I I just don't think the team at this point with the way the team is built and the way, you know, the way thing looks in the future, I just don't necessarily think that the team is going to be willing to do anything significant unless they can get a guy who's like, 
you know, on the bench of another team and you're trading away like a seventh round pick and that guy doesn't have like a huge salary, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think, man? Yeah. So there's a few ways to kind of look at it. Uh, and I'll try to be quick with this. Uh, obviously the 49ers are big with like, kind of like how they build the roster and stuff like that. The first thing I need to see is like, where are we at, at that point, even without Richard Sherman is, is Verrett healthy? Is Akello and Mosley, are these guys playing well? Can we win with it? Are we winning games? Are they the issue? So that's the first thing that I would have to check for. Uh, and then if, say, these things are an issue and it's like, okay, we have to upgrade now. What are you willing to trade and who are you going to trade for? Who's going to be available that's going to be an upgrade over some guys that you have? And what kind of draft capital is that going to cost you? And what kind of contract does this player have? Is this a cornerback that's in the last year of his contract to where you got to get in the situation that you were in with Emmanuel Sanders? And, oh, we lost him, but we gave up a first-round pick to get him mid-year. Like, you know, it, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to kind of, like, take in and kind of figure out how to how to go about it. If, if I just, you know, just looking at it, from you know the start of the season, I always assumed, and and I didn't always agree. Remember, um, I wrote for Fourth and Nine. I wrote a couple articles, uh, you know, talking about how 49ers, Hey, at thirteen, you can take a corner and really solidify your long term issues that you might have at that position. I didn't think they would do it, but I thought that that would be something that would be very useful. Now, moving forward, you hundred percent have to do that now next year, and that was always kind of my logic where next year they'll go all in at corner, whether it's a draft or free agency, probably draft a couple corners. Uh, but I just didn't see it happening this year. I think they're just going to thug it out, get through, hopefully guys, you know, uh, you know, play well, you know, and are good enough to, you know, just win games. And we saw that with the Chiefs last year. You don't have to have amazing corners. You just got to play good football. Right. Yeah, I like it. I'm not going to add any comments to it. That was well said. Um, tag him and bag him again. I think this is like your fourth question. I may have to put a question limit. I'm just kidding, man. I'm not going to fault you for getting up in here and, and being passionate about your questions. Um, what the heck is up with Dante Pettis? Seriously, the Jerry Rice comments about dancing, the Shanahan doghouse, the effort, blah, blah. What are specific examples of Pettis not in it to win it? Um, I mean, that's a good question. It's a fair question. But, uh, I mean, one of the biggest windows into Pettis that I have and that Crocker has is we were there for his last offseason where kind of he came off that really exciting um, end to his rookie season. And then we saw him in the very next offseason after that, and he just looked like a completely different receiver. And I know there's been some some talk about him showing up out of shape, but, you know, it, it almost just looked like he just spent the whole offseason doing kind of whatever and showed up for training camp expecting it to go well. You know, that's just kind of what it looked like. And, you know, and it just, it obviously didn't take Shanahan very long to notice the difference or the lack of improvement or dedication. And, you know, it, and there's been, there were other little things where like that, that's that brief clip with Jimmy Garoppolo trying to hit him for a touchdown. I think it was against the Steelers and, Pettis dropped it, and Jimmy Garoppolo looked like he said every effing time, you know, as he's walking off the field. So, there, I mean, there's been all kinds of little things. But, again, my biggest personal window into where Dante Pettis was was that offseason where he just looked horrible. Like, he just looked bad. Like, like maybe somebody that had it not been second-round pick Dante Pettis would not have made the team. So, it's just it's tough, and and now obviously Shanahan has had some criticism for him 
Dante Pettis didn't take that criticism well. Sounds like the two in the offseason got on the same page. And then Jerry Rice made some comments about the fact that I, I think he was talking about Dante Pettis. I don't know if he ever said Pettis in specifically. No, because he said he wasn't going to name names, but he was talking about guys that were dancing during the TV breaks to the music when they hadn't done anything on the field. And, and Jerry Rice is an old school guy, obviously, pro- probably the best football player to ever play. Um, he That's just what he believes. Like, Don't be out here celebrating anything. Period. If you haven't done anything on the field and you're not even winning the game. So, you know, it's it's just a lot of things combined. And and with with the way Pettis and Shanahan talked about it this offseason, they both pretty much confirmed that that they were not on the same page and Shanahan was not happy with with, with Pettis. So it's just a matter of it's it literally is is this is his last moment. You know, this season is probably his last chance to prove that he belongs on this team and that the 49ers were right in trading up for him and taking him in the second round. And if he can't do that, if he can't earn the earn the attention and earn the the trust of Garoppolo, then that's it. You're you're I, moving I, on. It's just as simple as that. I, I thought he had the perfect opportunity to make that statement against the Cardinals and he was just out there running around. So that that's kind of just my opinion. And I, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt until you just truly, really, really show me otherwise. And so far with Dante Pettis, somebody who I, you know, I liked. I thought he was, a, you know, going to be a, a solid day two guy. I thought he was a really good Kyle Shanahan guy as far as his ability. And, you know, he has flashed it at times. But... You know, and even this, I'm looking at game one. I'm like, you got a big opportunity here to to quiet everybody and do your thing. He could have went out there and had five catches for 60 yards and nobody would say a thing. And he went out there and had zero, you know. And, and a part of it is, you know, are they looking for him? Is he part of the read? You know, obviously there were some times where he was able to kind of get open, but then be more demanding. But you, you just can't go out there and run around and have zero catches. Yep. Yep. Um, Adam, Adam Bayboy said, "Would you? St- who would you start at quarterback opposite Mosley if Akello and Sherman aren't able to go on Sunday? I guess Dante Johnson. You know, like they they really don't have any other options. They've got guys on the practice squad. They've got the guy that they just added to the roster. It, that's he's really like the only option. And it's it's a guy that probably shouldn't be starting on an NFL team, but he knows the system. He's been around for a while, and you wouldn't have there wouldn't be much of a choice." Uh, my good croc, you you got anything on that one? Nah, that's it. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, what, what what do you what do you do? What choice do you have? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie Fast Hands, isn't that from Goodfellas? I can't remember. Following overaction Monday, what QB would you like to see in SF in for, in San Francisco's offense? Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance? Thanks. And then he has a laughing emoji. Oh, well, I don't know, man. I guess I Trevor Lawrence. You go then. Trey Lance. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about Trey Lance. So you got to tell me about Trey Lance right now. So, so this is the thing. The, the one thing I don't know, right? Like, what? And okay, I've, you know, doing this scouting academy, I have learned like you have to scout another the North Dakota quarterback. Okay. Yeah, you have to scout the player. Like you, you can't. You know, I, I you know, obviously there is context in the guys who's playing against, and I kind of look at it like, okay. If Trevor Lawrence was playing against the same competition, what would he do? So I, I have to kind of look at it from, from that perspective, and I don't want to knock Trey Lance, but we're talking about a guy who ran for over 1,000 yards 
and is as good a passer as anybody else. So that that's kind of what you're working with with Trey Lance. He's the ultimate dual threat quarterback who actually like really can throw, um, look really poised. I mean, he's he's nice. Now, you know, what is Kyle Shanahan want? I don't know because really I think everybody looks at Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence like he's just this pocket passer, and he's not. I mean, he's more Cam Newton than Tom Brady. I think that's a, I think that's a perfect comparison. I think Trevor Lawrence is a lot like Cam Newton. Yeah, he's now, a big I dude think he's too. A, 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 a better passer, but not to the extent of where I think he's closer to like uh, you know like a Tom. Brady. No, that's extreme because he just can't move at all. But we'll see. <laughs> you know. I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes because that's really extreme, but you know, he basically he's 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 closer to same type of skill set though. I mean, he's got a good arm and he can throw it and he can move really well. I mean, you just doesn't mean he's going to work out, you know? Right? Yeah, I think that's he's more Deshaun Watson and maybe even a little little bit more explosive of a runner, but uh, he's more Deshaun Watson where you know his passing is kind of like up and down a little bit, but he will make these throws where you're like, wow, that was really good. Um, but his athleticism, to me, that's the one thing that jumped out the most when I was watching this film. I thought it was going to be passing, and it was actually the flip side of it. He was a terrific runner and would make you know a good pass here and there, but I thought overall his passing was kind of up and down. Okay. Well, we're going to go with that because I don't – I mean, obviously I've watched plenty of, plenty of Trevor Lawrence, a little bit of Justin Fields, but I haven't watched Trey Lance. And if Croc's going Trey Lance, then I'm going Trey Lance with Croc. Um Kelly Kelly Cal said, "What's the what's the timeline for Ronald Blair and Julian Taylor back in action?" Well, I believe they were both put on the PUP list, right? So that would be mid season, I believe. Unless you know these rules are changing so often now that I feel I don't feel very confident in saying that. Um, but I believe if they're going to come back, it would be around the mid season point. Um, and it, it, I'm not, I'd have to go and look and see if, you know, cause you got Western Richburg, Ronald Blair and Julian Taylor. I believe all of them can come off that list. Um, otherwise they wouldn't be there. So we'll see. I mean, all three of those players are, are, are high impact players. So um, even Julian Taylor was, was really starting to turn up. So we'll see. I, I don't believe there's a timeline, but I would expect that to be, you know, mid mid season ish. You know, that's just kind of, I'm not sure if there's a pup rule that mandates that, or if that's just kind of their timeline. But that's just kind of kind of where I would be. Um, okay, we've got Mario Martinez. Should should Robert Sala be getting more blame for lack of adjustments? I think he is a liability, and the talent covers his faults as a coach. What do you think, Croc? Uh, again, it's it's tough to put a lot of blame on him because the forty nine. How many? <clears throat> excuse me. How many points did did the Cardinals score? Twenty one. Twenty four. 24? Yeah, yep. so, I mean, and when you look at the 24 again, there's context with everything. There was a block punt that gave them the ball inside the 10. So it's not like he was just, like, atrocious throughout a game, like where, you know, his defense kind of really just gave up 17 points. So, yeah, it was frustrating to kind of see, like, from quarter one, the same thing that, that Hopkins was getting, he was getting in quarter four. Uh, but I – I don't want to just dog him in the sense of his ability to kind of like adjust. Cause typically I, I see him make great adjustments uh, to what teams are doing. I, I think typically going into games, his game plans are really good. So um, I, I don't want to put like too much blame on him. I think ultimately if 49ers were just a little bit sharper on offense, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. 
Right, and you've got a lot of their or a good portion of their their success on offense coming from Kyler Murray's scrambling ability. And like we talked about in our last pod, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Like you're hoping you can minimize it and you can make some pretty drastic drastic adjustments on defense to like spy a quarterback like that. But then again, like I said, you're, you're there's no guarantees you're still going to be able to stop him, and you're also sacrificing a defense of defender that you know could be dropping back. So it's it's just it's tough. It's like it's like saying that every offense that the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson tear or every defense that they tear up that they're all doing a bad job. Like they're not. It's just it's hard to stop. Like it's just the way it is. Um Ronnie Ochoa says, is there an update on whether Brandon Ayuk suits up week two? Yes, it looks like Brandon Ayuk will suit up in week two. He practiced in full a couple times last week. He is practicing in full this week. And uh, Kyle Shanahan says he's optimistic that Brandon Ayuk is, is ready to roll for week two. Um, Tim says, at, at two crazy mofos, any idea if there were ball issues Sunday? It looked like Jimmy had a rough time getting the right grip on the ball and making some of those throws, especially the born miss looked like it wasn't coming out of his hand nicely. You know, that's a pretty good question because there was one moment where he was just holding the ball in the pocket and it fell out of his hand. It looked like Jimmy Garoppolo was like freaking out in the pocket, but then it showed the replay. Um, and he actually almost dropped the ball. And the moment he dropped the ball, he like took his eyes obviously down to see the ball looked up and then kind of had to readjust. So it was this whole thing. And then you had that one where he dropped. He ended up throwing it, but I think Chandler. He was trying to throw it to Usechek and Chandler Jones or whoever was right in his face. Um, and he looked like he kind of like didn't want to throw it, and the ball just kind of came out anyways, and it ended up being an in- incomplete pass. It kind of looked like a mix of dropping the ball slash just throwing it into the ground because yeah, Chandler Jones is right there. That would have been the, if he, didn't, he he saw Chandler Jones jump out at the last second, so he kind of like was already going to throw it and he kind of stopped himself at the last second. Cause yeah, that's, yeah. that, that, uh, that screen would have been picked off. Right. And, um, so there was that. And then there was, yeah, there was a couple and other George passes. Kittle, George Kittle. I think he, um, he didn't have a good grip on it, throwing the screen to George Kittle when he almost injured him badly. Right. Um, so, I mean, he, he grabbed it and didn't really like, uh, have a clean grip on it, and he kind of just tried to throw it anyways. And I think that's why it came out high. Right. Well, and they tell you on those types of throws, like, don't worry about laces, just throw the thing. But then if you can't get a good grip on the ball, it's really difficult. So, um, you know, if it, I have an actual NFL ball. Um, I used to play a lot of very competitive flag football um, with a lot of really good athletes. And so we invested in uh, an actual NFL ball, and they are very, very, very nice. They, there's a huge difference between an actual NFL ball and what you would normally just throw around at the house. Like it was a hundred bucks, and we got—I think we had a forty-dollar off coupon for um, Dick Sporting Goods. So um, we we bought one, and they're they're so nice. They're so amazing as a receiver, as far as like how the ball lands in your hands. But you have to like. In order to get the real experience from an NFL ball, you have to like do things to it. Like it came with this kit and this like wax bar that I had to like take this brush and like brush the ball down and it and it changes from like almost like an orange to like a real dark brown because you're like altering the the material a little bit and the surface. And every NFL ball, there's a guy that does that to all of them. They have like a little machine for it and everything. I think they showed it on Hard Knocks. Um, that guy was using like like shaving cream or something. But I've seen it done with like a wax, and so they do a lot of this stuff to the to the ball beforehand. And if if they don't 
if for some reason something goes wrong, there could very easily be a problem with the footballs and it could be difficult to hold on to them. So, I, I mean, that's definitely in, in no way an excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo's day, but you know, that could be a factor at some point, but I would think that those balls go through quite a bit of quality control to make sure they're, they're good beforehand. So, um, chunky and it's in his at is chunkier than you, man. I hope so, man. I put all, put on a little bit of COVID weight, so I hope you're chunkier than me or otherwise I'm, I'm moving too fast. Um, in the quest for speed, rushing, defensive end depth, Jordan and Ansa, why hasn't the team considered converting Clay Matthews for said role? He'd be situational depth specific and his career production warrants at least a look. No. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, Clay Matthews is still a good player. I did see something a little bit ago saying, I mean, somebody was looking at signing him. They ended up not signing him. And somebody from the team said he wasn't planning on playing. And then he like got up on Twitter and said, no, that's not true. So did you see that crock? I don't know if you, if you, if you have seen what I'm talking about, but it was just, I'm not sure what status Clay Matthews is right now. You would think he'd be on a team if, but I, I really don't know. I really don't know. So, um, Alfonso Valdez says, what are some other D linemen that the 49ers can work out? I know it didn't work out with Ansa. Uh, I really have no idea. Crocker, you have any idea? I don't know the other defensive linemen that are just chilling. Yeah, Clowney, I mean, Clowney was free for a long time. I mean, outside of him, I mean, I can, I can tell you who you just go out there and get right now that's going to improve your team. You know, everybody's looking for pass rushers. So, yeah, if if you don't have one now that you really like, I, I'd assume that there's not much uh, help out there on the free agency market. Right, yeah, and I, and I sadly say I haven't perused the free agent defensive line market, maybe as, in search, maybe as much as I had. But, I mean – if there's one position group that they're probably not too worried about, it's it's probably that one. Um, used goat at the real used goat says, "Would you lay out timeline for Muhammad Sanu? Ex- example, signs on Tuesday, which he did, uh, attend meetings via Zoom, which he's doing, COVID testing, which he's he's doing, um, practices on Friday, which I don't even." I don't even know if he's if he's going to practice on Friday. I can't remember what they what Shanahan said today, but he might practice on Friday. But he might not even practice on Friday either. Um, I know he's doing a meeting over Zoom right now because he's not allowed to be with the team currently. Travels with the team, Doug's walkthroughs. Um, so basically, what he's asking Croc is like, what do you think his whole timeline looks like? So, you know, he's got to do I think three days of quarantine right now, in which takes him up to Friday. And then I'm not sure if he's going to practice on Friday. I don't even know if the team practices on Friday. They might do walkthroughs, but then they travel on Saturday, on Friday or Saturday. So, I mean, I don't really know. Do you do you know what that schedule's like, Croc? Yeah, nah. The, Friday's probably – so you typically uh, practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Friday might be a, a good practice, but it sounded like Jimmy Garoppolo was saying he wasn't going to get those live reps with – yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so either. So, but I, I know that Kyle Shanahan did say today that he's a very. I use a lot of confidence with Muhammad Sanu and and how much he knows Kyle Shanahan's offense, and he, and he seemed pretty confident that he could pretty much step right in and 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 do what he needed to do. So, um, that'll be a, a progression worth watching. 
Um, but if they're getting Brandon Ayuk back, then maybe maybe they don't have to rush Muhammad Sanua and maybe they give him a few reps here and there. But but we'll see. Alan Chi. Uh, Alan's been following me for a long time. What's up, Alan? Uh, what I haven't seen talked about much is the quarterback center exchange with having to start third string center. How much of the game plan and Jimmy's comfort level were directly related related to that? Uh, how much different do you think the O will look with Garland back? Um, I mean, it, it definitely have an impact. I don't know if that really once the Jimmy once once Jimmy Garoppolo's got the ball in his hands and he's dropping back, then it's up to him after that. You know, I, I don't know if if it would go that far, but at the same time, you know, does he trust that center to, to block well, to, to pass protect? I don't know. Um, I think having Ben Garland back will make a pretty big difference because he spent a significant amount of time with him. Ben Garland was their, the backup center that rode with the team all the way for like the latter part of the season and into the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I think that would have a pretty significant, uh, impact and just, you know, kind of just strengthening that cohesion between the line a little bit more, uh, it's it's really not up for me to say though. I don't I don't really know if if I think it was was it Hronis was that that Hronis guy that was playing at center against the against See, the the Cardinals. I don't remember who's. I think I think it was started. Yeah, I think so because uh, that, that practice squad guy, and then they sent him back down right to the guard. practice. Yeah, right guard was Brunsko. So yeah, I think that right, was. right. So I yeah. So excuse us for for being rusty, but. Um, I, you know, it, it's just tough to say, and that would be a question you'd have to ask Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't necessarily think it had that big of a difference, big of a difference. I think that just given the way Jimmy's performance went, I feel like he probably would have had the same performance if it was Ben Garland. So, I mean, it just, just seemed like an off day and that happens. It happens. Um, okay. We have one more little set of questions right here. Okay. All right. So Daniel Corbin. At DC underscore Corbin. Do we still need to add a wide receiver to take pressure off Kittle and Debo, or do you think Sanu and Ayuk will be enough for a Super Bowl caliber offense? I mean, what do you think, Croc? I've been talking a lot. What do you I mean? Yeah, I, I like the idea. I really like the idea of Debo, Sanu, Ayuk, and you know, like Kendrick Bourne as your fourth receiver to go along with Kittle and Reed. And I think Reed's I think his there, there, there's going to be more for him in this offense as the season goes on. So, you know, when you kind of bring all the pass catchers together, you know, you look at those six guys, I'm really confident with, with, with that group. Yeah, you know, I really like, you know, pending Ayuk's kind of development and his ability to contribute at this level. He still has to prove that, but everything we've heard about him since says, says he will. Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk... Muhammad Sanu, like your big slot. And then, you know, you've got Debo Samuel on the other side, George Kittle, Jordan Reed, you know, maybe throwing in some Kendrick Bourne here and there if you're wanting some four wide receiver sets. Like, I mean, that is fine. <laughs> you know, if, if they can get to where Debo's healthy, Ayuk's healthy, Muhammad Sanu's kind of getting into his stride, and, and you know, you, you've got your tight ends, like that's – there's nothing wrong with that. And then you've got – you know, somebody who I expect to slowly start having a bigger impact is uh, Jarek McKinnon, who it was kind of like underrated in his impact in the game. Like he scored one touchdown on a pass, and then there was another run where he should have scored, but Dante Pettis did a shit job of blocking and kind of just got in his way. 
So he probably would have scored there too. And I mean, if you know, there would have been a lot of different conversations about Jarek McKinnon if he scored both those touchdowns. Um, so, you know, th- there's plenty of weapons in this offense. It's just a matter of everybody kind of hitting their stride and staying healthy. Um, David at Kuth DC. Granted, it was not a great throw. It was deep, though. But was that a complete lack of effort by Pettis? And does that mean he gets cut when Debo comes off IR? Um, he's talking about that one deep throw to Pettis. Uh, it was kind of like a, a a post that went all the way across the field and ended up kind of in towards the right corner of the end zone or right in front of the end zone. I mean, I don't know. Did you you know what play they're talking about, Croc? Yeah. Um, Did it, I'm still okay. undecided on whether that was a complete lack of effort. But you, you tell me what you think. I've watched it several times. So the the first thing I want to say is I do think it was a good pass. I, I think, I mean, for Jimmy Garoppolo, like considering what his talent is as a thrower, I think that was as good of a throw as he could have made into that area. Um, I do think that, and I could be wrong, I think Pettis like tensed up and then reached out with one hand uh, feeling the defender kind of coming down on him, and he so, did come down on him. He cracked him, but he did so. And I think, you know, I, think uh, I think Pettis was was kind of like anticipating that. Now with Jimmy, because I've heard some people say it was a bad pass. I thought it was a good pass, but if he had like an arm like Wentz or like you know Mahomes or Josh Allen, like one of those big arm quarterbacks, like they they would have thrown thrown that on the line to where it was an easier catch in between the two defenders. But Jimmy doesn't have that kind of arm, so he had to put more air under it, and and that made it like a much tighter window-type type throw. But, uh, yeah, nah, I mean, it it was a play that you expect guys that are really good to make, and so far that's not Pettis. So mm-hmm. I, I can't, like, get down on him for not making that play because he hasn't shown that he's that type of guy. I think that is a, and this is kind of what you were saying. I think that's a tough play for like a Julio Jones, like double coverage guy bearing down on you. He's going to hit you hard. There's a defender right inside, you know, just a little bit behind your hip pocket. The ball is coming. You know what I mean? There's, there's a, does, does Julio Jones make that catch? Probably, but he gets rocked right after he makes the catch and maybe he holds onto the ball. Maybe he doesn't for that to be like the play that people focus on when it comes to somebody like Pettis who's just trying to even prove he belongs on the field, to me that's not really it. Now, if it's like a a dig over the middle and he's open and there's a safety that's kind of coming into the picture and he just alligator arms it and drops it, like, okay, now you've got yourself a valid, like, what the hell Pettis moment. But that was just a pretty difficult play in a pretty difficult situation. And some of the better receivers in the league might make it, but – you know what I mean? I, I don't think any of the other 49ers receivers are making that. Like maybe Debo because he doesn't he doesn't care about being hit. You know, I, you know, I don't know. It, it, there's just a lot of factors that go into that one. Um, Patricia um, says, I would read your handle, uh, Patricia, one, two, four, one, one, nine, zero, two. Why are the 49ers injured more than any players from other teams in the NFL? I don't know. I'm not sure that's exactly true. Obviously, we're going to hear about every single 49ers injury we have because we're this is the team that we follow. Whereas you're not paying attention to any of the other teams' injuries. You know, like, I don't know. It does seem like the 49ers are always at or near the top 
of the amount of injured players that they have. But, you know, obviously enough players stayed healthy last year to make a legit Super Bowl run. So, you know, it's it just it's sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I don't know. You got any other feelings on that there? Yeah, every I mean, look at the shoot, look at the Jets. I mean, they they've already been down a receiver with Mims with a you know a bad hammy, and then now they have a crowder that's you know kind of hampered with a bad hammy. So yeah, it's we pay attention to the 49ers, so you know, we know every single time somebody gets hurt and it sounds crazy, but really at the end of the day, you have out of you know, you have one starter missing on defense, which is Richard Sherman. And you're replacing him with someone that has started a ton of games. So it's like your defense is relatively like very healthy. On the offensive side of the ball, there have been more guys kind of, you know, banged up. But really, if you kind of look at guys that you expect to start throughout the year, the only person that's really missing is Debo Samuel and Richburg, right? Who who else? Who else is going to like that's not looking like they're going to play? That's a starter on offense. So it's, I think it sounds like really crazy with the injuries because they happen in like waves and different guys and stuff like that. But I don't think the 49ers are as banged up as it, as it seems as, like in the sense of guys like coming back, like, do you know, you just look at it like, Oh man, like Tavon Austin, like he's hurt. And it's like, Oh, okay. I mean, but, he may or may not have made the team. Like, we think he would have, but we don't know. And even if he did, what type of role would he have? Like, oh, Jalen Hurd, like, okay, what type of role? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like – I think it just sounds crazier, but I, I don't think the 49ers are necessarily just way more banged up than any other team. Right, right. I, and I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and our last question is from Rashad Jamal. At Rashad underscore Jamal, and this one is is squared solely at me, and he is asking for the best class setup for Warzone. <laughs> um, I mean, I can rifle through this real quick. Okay, I'll show you one. I'll give you one that I've been using lately that I feel like is a good class for somebody who might not be that skilled because both of the guns are really low recoil. All right, I'm going to rifle through this because there's probably a lot of our listeners that just don't care about Warzone. So... You got your M13 primary. You put the monolithic suppressor on it, the longer barrel, the commando foregrip, the 60-round mag, and either a hollow sight or a VLK three-times scope. That's your primary. For your secondary, uh, go with the MP7 with the monolithic suppressor, the recon barrel, the longer one, the commando foregrip, 60-round mag, and the stippled foregrip. Make it a little quicker. Okay. Then you're going to go with... um, EOD, overkill, obviously, because you got the two weapons. And you're going to go with amps, so you can switch between them really fast. And then you're going to go with C4 and a heartbeat sensor. If you're really, if you're feeling really aggressive, switch the heartbeat sensor out with some stuns and, and go ham. Um, but both of those guns have super low re- recoil. They're both very easy to shoot and keep flat and hit your shots. The M13's a little on the weaker side, but it fires so fast and it's so easy to shoot that you're going to hit a lot of your shots and you'll still get drop guys at the same speed if you were using like the, the Kilo or the M4. If you did want to use the Kilo or the M4, use the exact same attachments, longer barrel, all that stuff, and, um, and you still rock and roll. But that's, that is the class that I go with. And lately I've been getting like high teens and, and in the twenties of kills uh, pretty often. So um, that's what I'm recommending. But anyways, 
that's it, dude. That was our last question. Nice. I was uh, uh, getting to lay down some Warzone knowledge right there at the end. But for anybody that plays Warzone, use those classes. They're like the best. I, I've, you know, I watch a lot of streamers. I, I watch a lot of really, really good players. We we all kind of, or they all kind of use the the same kind of classes. It's kind of like just generally agreed upon what the the route to success is. So use those. Go with that. Um, get into that game, man. I'm I'm really mad. I'm not like a like a real gamer right now. Well, dude, I mean, do you have do you have Call of Duty like Modern Warfare? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, I mean, all you got to do is hop on and say, "Hey, carry me," and I'll put you in my backpack, and we'll run around and we'll get some <laughs> kills, bro. Yeah. Um. Now, what I mean, you already have the game. So if you would have said no, I would have said don't buy it because the new one's coming out relatively shortly in like a month or so, maybe a little bit more. But um, yeah, dude, we should get on there, man. We'll uh, we'll stream it and and we'll do like a podcast from from Warzone. We could do a we could do a mailbag. People can jump on the stream and ask us questions. Yeah, yeah, yep. I'm down with that. They're gonna be like, "Damn, Croc sucks." <laughs> Don't worry, man. I got you. Stick to football. <laughs> the the best part about it though is because there's there's what's called skill based matchmaking, where like if you're a good player and you got a lot of wins and you got a good kill to death ratio, like you're gonna play against other players that have a, a lot of wins, and it's really kind of annoying because and basically it means if you want to win, you have to try super hard every time because most of the players in the lobby are gonna be super good, but if Crocker, who hasn't really played it at all or that much, hosts the lobby and I'm with him, the odds will be good that we get put with a lot of bots, a.k.a. people that suck. So I can just run around killing everybody and you just you <laughs> follow me to victory, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But anyways, that's it. Long pod coming up on an hour and 20 minutes. But that's, I mean, that's kind of how the mailbags are going to be. We'll get quicker with them. And obviously we had some things to talk about before we even got into the mailbag, but um, we're not going to leave a question hanging. We appreciate everybody who asked one of the, asked a question or asked multiple questions. Um, we'll be back at it again next week. Should be at the same time, same day, all that good stuff. Um, uh, we should be hitting you guys with one more pod for this week tomorrow um, to preview the 49ers week two game against the Jets. That'll probably be one that's like kind of short and sweet to the point. Give you your thoughts, and we'll get out of there. And uh, and I think that would be that'll be our fourth pod this week, right? Yeah. Soccer, or is, yeah, or is potting, it? Man. No, I mean it might be our fifth because we threw in that Muhammad Sanu one. Because we had so I mean I guess if you count the Kevin one, we had the the reaction to the game, and then we had the winners and losers. Then we had the Muhammad Sanu. Then we had this one, and then we're doing the previous. So that's five pods in a week, bro. Oh, yeah, we did that. So um, we're always going to shoot for like three or four, but we'll we'll see what, what goes down. But anyways, I appreciate everybody who's here listening that's sticking with us, uh, that can't get enough striking gold, that, that's listening to all five. I appreciate you guys. Um, hit us up on Twitter anytime you're just feeling like talking 49ers or you got a comment from the pod. Uh, we'll see it. We'll acknowledge it. Uh, we'll try and hit you back if we can. Um, but just know that I appreciate the fact that you guys are supporting the pod because we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Um, but for another week, that's this is us again and striking gold signing out. Peace. The wait's finally over. Football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get it on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, championship futures, all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert. 